Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low-Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short-form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Low-Key Geek. Hey, hey, he's a low-key geek. He tries to be out there when he wants to be, but hey, he's a low-key low geek. Happy Monday, y'all. Um, hope all of you had a wonderful weekend. This is Renee, Loki Geek, back here on a Monday. Um, decided to start the week off with a brand new episode of the podcast here. Um, if you're not familiar with the Loki Geek podcast, it's just a podcast for us geeks to talk about the latest in pop culture news. Uh, whether it's movies, TV, video games, what have you. Um, I like to put my spin on things. I sometimes review and recap stuff. Or let's just talk about what's happening in the world of geekdom. Um, so thank you again uh, for joining and tuning in. Um, as always, the YouTube spiel is you like what you see. Appreciate if you hit a like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet. I am trying to grow the channel to 500 subscribers uh, within the next month or two. So any help in doing that would be greatly appreciated. And the channel, you can catch a lot of my other videos that I produce on a weekly basis there. Um, and if you are an audio listener, you can catch me on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Make sure to hit that follow and leave a good rating. Um, it would be greatly appreciated there too, as the channel and the communities grow and grow and grow. So thank you for, you know, dealing with the usual spiel there, but yeah, got some interesting stuff to talk about today. Um, mostly stuff that hit towards the tail end of last week, along with some of the latest uh, episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the new Invincible series that dropped on Amazon Prime on Friday. So as I take a sip of my coffee. Hmm. So let's start things off with um, something a little heartwarming, at least something that I found extremely heartwarming. And I don't know if a lot of you have had a chance to see this yet, but uh, Sesame Street, uh, the wonderful workshop there, dropped a really unique video. Um, I caught it on Twitter last week, um, and it introduces two new uh, black puppets. And... I thought it was a wonderful time to drop something like this with a really great message there. Basically, it's a father and son, and the son, um, you know, they're admiring the the leaves changing colors and all that, or the different colors of leaves. Um, and Elmo comes around and basically, you know, he's asking questions. He's asking questions about 
you know, why certain people have different colors of skin. And, um, you know, first it's it starts off with the sun kind of um, asking questions along the same lines there. But the father there really gives a great explanation and a, a real realistic um, explanation as to why um, everyone is unique in their own way and why everyone you know even though we're all humans and and all that um, we all look different and we have all our own unique uh, features and skin colors and all that stuff like that um, and I just thought it was a wonderful, wonderful message. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I will leave a link in the description so that you can check it out yourself. Um, but I, I thought, what a great explanation to give people, especially kids, as to, you know, why people look different and kind of just, you know, how 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 we should really accept everyone's unique you know, features and unique, um, um, you know, our uniqueness as a whole. Um, and it was really, really heartwarming. And um, I made a joke about it on Twitter, basically saying that it's a much better explanation than my mom ever gave me when I was a kid and asking these questions. Um, I will not um, divulge what my mom or the way my mom would describe things, but um, I do have to keep in mind that my mom is from a different era um, and the way things are explained um, in her mind um, made sense at the time. Uh, let's just say she didn't give me a real scientific explanation, uh, more of a, uh, a folk tale or folklore as to why uh, people have different skin colors and all that. But and, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you have experienced the same thing growing up. Um, you know, as kids, we are very inquisitive and, you know, we ask a lot of questions. And definitely once we become aware of everyone's unique looks and, you know, unique skin colors or unique hairstyles or unique ways of, you know, the way they live their lives and all that we we will ask questions kids ask questions all the time um you know when i was growing up i didn't have the internet you know i didn't have a chance to do a lot of research and all that so i of course i looked upon my parents and i looked upon um you know my older relatives or teachers to fill in the gaps and answer these questions that i have and sometimes i got you know really great answers and sometimes i got you know answers that as a kid i would have i would just accept at the time but you know and as you get older you learn more and obviously you have your own mind and uh, and determine what you want to believe or what not to believe or just you know you really look into the real answers and uh, the scientific terms and all that kind of stuff like that so um, I think it's a great icebreaker and a great way to kind of introduce kids to um, learning about everyone's unique um, uniquenesses and, and all that. Um, so, yeah, do check it out. I, I highly recommend it. It's, a, like I said, very heartwarming message and heartwarming video. And, you know, leave it to the folks over there at the Sesame Workshop um, to put something like this together so that... You know, hopefully we could be on the right path in teaching our kids the the best ways of accepting everyone for who they are 
um, and for their unique um, uniquenesses out there. So really, really cool stuff. Um, one of the uh, moving on to something else I wanted to discuss. Um, last week it was announced that um, they apparently are working on a Ghost of Tsushima uh, movie um, from the news that I read here is that John Wick Helmer Chad Stalhetsky um, has been set to direct the Ghost of Tsushima um, the film adaptation of the celebrated Feudal Japan set PlayStation exclusive video game which has been set up at Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions. Um, first off, I want to say that Ghost of Tsushima is probably one of my most favorite games that I had a chance to play last year. Um, the way the game was put together, it was just very, very um, visually, um, just, just visually like um, unbelievable um just looking at the gameplay looking at the way the cutscenes were put together it is like you're watching a movie and it if you were a fan of like the samurai films of the you know of the past especially like the akira kurosawa movies and all that um this screams akira kurosawa like the way that those movies were directed the way those movies were put together the storylines and all that very very gorgeous type of game um, the game itself even has a, a Kurosawa mode, which allows you to play the game in a black and white film to kind of mimic the Kurosawa films of the past. Um, and like the, the gameplay, the storylines are fantastic. I haven't had a chance to really play through the whole game. I got through probably one third of it. Um, the game is pretty big and it takes quite a while to play through, but it's well worth it. Um, so. Of course, hearing this story, I was f first, my first reaction was that I was really excited and I was really happy because the game itself is so cinematic that it lends itself to a cinematic feature. Yeah. And I think it's very easy to take the storylines from the game and translate that into movie form. However, the more I thought about it and I'm a huge fan of the John Wick movies. I think the John Wick movies have been a huge surprise to a lot of us. You know, when the first John Wick came out, not a lot of people knew what that movie was, and especially myself. Um, I was lucky enough to see the movie at a special screening. Um, I was walking into it, not never, never really hearing about the movie. You know, all I knew was that uh, Keanu Reeves was was um, attached to it. Um, so I didn't know anything of what the movie was supposed to be like. And then when I watched it, I was floored by how amazing the movie was just by because of the action alone. Um, and I feel like it's one of Keanu's most recent, um, like one of his best in recent years. You know, it, it's like a movie that's like meant for Keanu, you know, like Keanu, he knows what kind of wheelhouse he falls into. He's great at action, very little dialogue, but he he's believable in becoming this crazy um, assassin for hire hitman, uh, the Baba Yaga, you know, the legendary assassinator that everyone fears and all that, um, who also has his own flaws, you know, and all. Um, so when it comes to thinking about the action that is probably going to be set in this film, I'm very much excited about that. Now, my 
hesitation that came after thinking about it was, will they be able to keep that look and that feel of the samurai films of the past? You know, will it have that Kurosawa feel, um, just like the game itself has? Um, so it made me question that, you know, would this film, would it have been better helmed by an Asian director or a Japanese director, you know? Um, in Japan, there's a lot of great Japanese uh, movie uh, directors who still do period pieces today. Um, and obviously, they're more intertwined with the samurai lore, the look and feel of those films of the past, the TV shows and everything like that. Um, you know, there hasn't really been any Hollywood production movies from the samurai era in recent years. I mean, the last thing I could possibly think of that was at least worth noting was probably The Last Samurai, um, which I thought was a pretty decently done film. But in recent years, you know, I, I believe Dave Filoni really captured that Kurosawa feel, that Western feel in the in season two of The Mandalorian, you know, in the episode where um, you meet Ahsoka for the very first time. That episode alone screamed like Kurosawa samurai um, kind of flavor, you know, especially with the big showdown towards the end there. So, you know, I, I was, you know, questioning a lot about how are they going to pull this off? You know, how are they, how are they going to pull off the look and the feel? And is it going to be really, um, you know, will it really give you the same sense of um, astonishment and that same sense of, taking you back to the days of the samurai and you know putting you in those kurosawa movies or those period tv dramas of the old days um will they be able to to hit that will they be able to mimic that you know time will tell i mean we'll see again it's they're early 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 talks in production um you know prepped for all this stuff like that um maybe he will be able to do it maybe he will be able to tap in that 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 sense that um aesthetic feel you know the the way those type of movies you know flowed um the game does a really great job at capturing all of that you know surprisingly uh i was not expecting it to be like that you know, visually, we could tell, you know, before going into the game that, like, the game looks amazing. The graphics are astonishing. Um, the cinematics are, it, it really, it's like you're watching a movie. And then the, the more you play it, the more you are you realize, wow, they really were able to capture the, the flavor and, um, you know, that feeling of watching these old movies and reliving the days of the samurai. And... You know, that is pretty much a huge part of the game itself. Um, the action, of course, is phenomenal, too. And I'm I'm pretty, you know, confident that they're going to be able to match that type of action sense, too, given with all the work that was done for the John Wick movies themselves. But I, I really think in order for this movie to be successful, they really got to nail it with that feel. They really got to nail it with that um, essence of the Kurosawa movies and all that, you know, take a shot every time I mention Kurosawa during this segment, because uh, it's worth mentioning that, you know, those 
films of the past that um, Kurosawa was um, involved in, they're kind of like the blueprint of a lot of uh, genre action movies that came after. You know, you hear a lot of um, directors saying that those movies influenced them to direct the type of action and the type of cinematic experiences that they put together for their films, you know. Um, so, you know, it, it, it we'll see what will happen, you know, but I, I would say like that, that's one of my main concerns. And like I said, initial reactions was like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. Like, I really, really want to see this happen. You know, this is going to be, you know, epic in its in its own way, just like the game was. You know, <clears throat> maybe this is also me just being overly, um, you know, positive about um, about the possibilities here. Because, again, it is going to be a movie based off of a video game. And we all know that every time they adapt a game into movies, um, it never really works out. You know, I was very, very let down by Assassin's Creed, um, and um, I think the only the only movies that really captured that sense of hey, this was a really good adaptation from a video game series franchise or what have you was the Sonic movie. You know, and again, I was hesitant in even watching that. I didn't want to believe that that movie could be any good. Um, and then when I finally watched, it, I was like, wow, this movie was really enjoyable. Um, and they really, they were able to capture the essence of Sonic and, you know, his personality and, and all that by, and still putting their own twist in it, you know, because it's, it's hard to adapt something that, you know, is somewhat of like a platformer type of game. That's one of the reasons why I think the Mario Brothers movie one failed miserably when they did that and two it's going to be extremely difficult to make a mario movie moving forward if if they're going to be ever be able to do it this itself is a full-fledged story we already have the story in a video game right so you would think it would be a lot easier to translate that into movie form but as we've seen in the past when you know they've done that they always try to put their own spin in these type of movies. And I think in this one, you don't really have to. Your script has already been written for you. You just have to be able to adapt it to a two-hour length form feature film, which I think is doable. You know, again, I always feel like, you know, after watching The Mandalorian, after watching WandaVision, and now watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier... I always feel like these type of adaptations are better fit for maybe, uh, you know, limited series on uh, a streaming platform or, um, you know, a multi-season series because you could really flesh out a lot of the finite details of the storylines, a lot of the character building that's always very important. Um, but we'll see what happens those are just my thoughts on it you know i'm curious to hear what you guys think about it i think some of the initial reactions i heard from my circle of friends and all that is that they they were excited you know and they think that this could be a, a great thing but again like i said the more i thought about it the more i started growing concerns in in how are they going to pull it off and all that but time will tell but guys let's talk about this crazy drop of a trailer that happened on Friday. Um, we were finally 
given a good look at the Suicide Squad, the new the movie there from James Gunn. Uh, obviously, you know we we were following how this was coming about. This was when James Gunn kind of left D- Disney and Marvel. You know they weren't really we weren't really sure if he's going to be back to direct another Guardians of the Galaxy and all that stuff like that. So he immediately jumped on this opportunity to direct another sequel to the suicide squad um you know we got the first one there that you know had mixed feelings i think overall it was pretty negative and then you got the harley quinn suicide squad sequel that you know believe it or not a lot of people didn't realize that was a sequel to the suicide squad but it kind of was and you know it it was not that great i didn't even have uh, i didn't even bother watching it because of how disappointed i was with the the first movie but when we heard that James Gunn was tied to direct this new uh, movie in the Suicide Squad franchise, I got excited because if there's anything that James Gunn is good at is putting uh, together these ensemble movies of misfits. You know, we saw him do it so well with Guardians of the Galaxy, and he, I think he surprised a lot of us on how well he was able to pull this off because Guardians of the Galaxy is such an, uh, at the time, a small offshoot in the Marvel Comics universe. Not a lot of people read the comics. Not a lot of people knew a lot of these characters. Unless you're like a hardcore comic book fan. You know, like I kind of fall in between in the middle where I know enough about comics, but I I do hear a lot of my friends talk about it. So I knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy was, you know, but I didn't know that much about them. So, you know, when James Gunn was doing these movies, no one knew who these guys were. And after the first movie came out, everyone fell in love with these characters. Everyone fell in love with Guardians of the Galaxy. Some say that it's probably their best or and my most favorite Marvel movie in all of the MCU right now. Uh, and I don't blame them. You know, then Guardians 2 came out, and I think there's some mixed feelings about that. Me, personally, I love that movie, and I know some people didn't like it as much. But still, he was able to make this cast of misfits work together and introduce new ones and expand on that universe. So again... I was pretty confident that he was going to pull this off. I was really excited to see what he was going to do. And then we started getting the news of all the different type of characters he was going to include in it. And it's like a laundry list of DC's C-level members and C-level characters and all that stuff like that. You know, you have Polka Dot Man, King Shark, all that stuff like that. And everyone's just like, who the fuck are these people? Then we get the trailer finally. And my god was it amazing it was dare i say legendary um within the first five to ten seconds of watching this trailer you it it screamed james gunn the soundtrack kicks in you got steely dan playing in the background you know the music itself already made you feel like you're watching a james gunn guardians of the galaxy film but now in the dc universe you know you have Idris Elba, you have John Cena, you have Margot, you know, Robbie returning again as Harley Quinn. And now you're putting together these new group of misfits that looks like, again, 20 deep, you know, and I don't know how they're going to pull all this off. But the chemistry that we can see in this trailer already 
it looks like it's going to be entertaining. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And it looks like it's going to be batshit crazy. It really is. Um, and of course, the, the one character that blew everyone away was King Shark. Um, you know, if you watched like the, the animated shows and the animated movies, you saw King Shark in action before in the DC universe. But this is the first exposure for a lot of people of King Shark. And to then find out that it's being voiced by Sylvester Stallone, I think that is brilliant. Really, really brilliant. You know, you got this. It's basically he's a walking land shark that doesn't give two shits about anything. He'll eat anything. He'll rip people in half. You know, he'll do what you tell him to do. He just does. He'll do it his own way. Right. Um, and then you have John Cena cracking his jokes about bag of dicks and how, you know, if he was going to do it for liberty, he'll eat all the bags of dicks in the world. That line made me laugh out loud for a while. I mean, that was just so, so funny. Um, Needless, you know, I think it's safe to say that this trailer blew a lot of our minds. And um, I think we're we're now eagerly anticipating for this movie to drop. This is really one of the only DC movies that I'm like, I can't wait to see. Like, I need to see this now. And especially to think about it being a Suicide Squad movie. I mean, I didn't think I would be excited to see a Suicide Squad movie after the last two that we got. But I'm pretty sure he it looks like he's going to nail this one, you know, and it's nice to see that he's working with a lot of the same people he's worked with before. You know, Michael Rooker is in it. Like I said, Sly Stallone, um, for those of you who saw Guardians 2, Sly had his own cameo in that movie as well. Of course, Sean, his brother, is going to be in this movie as well. So that's going to be interesting to see what he's going to have his brother do. Um, but it looks like it's going to be a blast. But I, I think... Also, one of the big things that was teased that I kind of was taken aback from was it looks like we're going to get Starro in this movie. You know, for those of you who don't know who Starro is, Starro was one of the first major bads of the Justice League in the comic books, like going way back, way, way, way back to like the golden age. Basically, he's just giant starfish kaiju, right? And he has the ability to kind of spawn off these little, you know, mini versions of himself that attaches to people's heads and faces and basically mind controls them. Um, if you played Heroclix like I have, the little, you know, figurine uh, role-playing game there, Starro was his big deal when they, finally, when they finally released that figure, you know, being able to play with you know, against him and, you know, him mind controlling people and, and, and members of your party and all that stuff like that. So this is a very massive foe, but again, never really thought we were going to see Starro in a feature film in the DC universe. But again, James Gunn, leave it to James Gunn to take something that's so obscure and bring it into the forefront and make it work. And I think seeing that again gets me so excited because what he's going to be able to do for not only this, this group of you know mismatched misfits but then he's bringing on a villain that is so obscure and no one really knows about except for you you know you die hard comic book fans and He's going to try to make this work in this universe. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I am so excited. I am so down. I, my ticket has been bought, so to speak. 
Um, I am so excited to see what he's going to do here. Um, and, uh, you know, where he's going to go from there. I think it's going to be one of those situations where if he nails it, if he, you know, smashes it out of the park, obviously people are going to want to see more from him on that. And I don't know if that's going to be possible. You know, he is gearing up for Guardians 3. You know, and I'm and I'm sure he has a lot of other stuff in his plate there. Um, will he be able to move back and forth between Marvel, Disney, and DC, Warner Brothers? I don't know, um, unless they could kind of come to some sort of deal there. Um, but um, it'll it's it'll be really interesting interesting to see how this is going to play out. Um, I'm excited. Um, and I can't wait to see what kind of shenanigans this movie is going to like bring forward. So, um, really, really, and the trailer was pretty long, especially for an initial trailer. I believe it was clocking in just over two minutes. Um, but even seeing this much of the movie so far, I still think there's enough mystery in there because it didn't really give away a lot. Yeah, you get to see like, all right, they're banding this group together to kind of accomplish another task, another impossible task, a task that, you know, no other groups would want to handle. And then obviously it looks like it's going to be something where if they if they don't do it, they're all going to die just like how it was before. Um, so really, really excited to see what's going to, how this movie is going to play out. So very, very exciting stuff there. Again, if you guys caught, uh, caught the trailer and I'm sure a lot of you have, um, what are your thoughts? What are some of the Easter eggs that you've caught? Uh, what are your thoughts on Polka Dot Man, King Shark? Um, you know, we see Captain Boomerang returning there. You got, you know, Jai Courtney back and all that. Um, you know, will there be any other surprise cameos? I mean, is Starro going to be the main, main villain? Um, or is that just like a distraction where it could be a secondary villain to something that's even more? So who knows? James Gunn is very good at surprising us. And I think it's going to be a blast. And I really can't wait to see how this movie is going to play out. So, yeah, let me know your thoughts in the in the comments. And I'm curious to see what you guys think. So. Um, sticking to comic books and comic universes and what have you there, Marvel made some noise this past week. Um, it started off in the beginning of the week with, um, it looks like we, uh, got another shift of release dates for some of the MCU films. And one of note here is Black Widow. Now, we all know those of us who've been following the news and all that black widow was supposed to come out at the end of last year it was supposed to lead in and kind of start off phase four of the marvel universe marvel the mcu universe i should say um after black widow then we were supposed to get falcon and winter soldier then we were supposed to get i believe uh eternals and then wanda uh wanda vision and then so on, so forth, what have you. It, it's kind of hard to keep track because a lot of these shifts have been done for the last year now, mostly due to, to the pandemic and all that. This shift that's happening now, I do fully believe is also because of the pandemic, but it's because I believe a lot of studios are getting a little bit more confident that folks are going to be able to go back to the movie theaters towards the second half of this year 
more vaccines are being you know made available to people um, movie theaters are slowly starting to open in major areas like New York, LA, what have you. Um, so second half of the year, I do feel like you're going to be able to see more butts in seats when it comes to movie theaters, right? So a lot of these shifts, and it's not just Marvel who made some of the shifts in their release dates. Some other studios did the same way, uh, did the same thing. So now we're getting Black Widow. That's gonna. It's gonna be moved from May. It was supposed to be released May first, and now it's gonna be uh, released on July 9th of this year. So, and and on top of that, they finally caved in, and instead of you know, sticking to their guns about it's gonna be released in movie theaters only, now it looks like they're gonna allow the movie to be released on Disney Plus, but at the premier access level. For an additional fee of probably 30 bucks just like what they did with mulan the live action mulan and what they did recently with raya and the last dragon uh, which i've heard has been very successful for them because raya i heard is a very well done movie great movie i haven't had a chance to see it yet because 30 bucks is a very steep price point for me at this time um, and even though mulan was received poorly it sounded like it did really well for mulan whether or not you want to believe it or not. So a couple of things that is very interesting here. So Black Widow is getting pushed back again, meaning after Falcon and the Winter Soldier, originally it was supposed to lead into the Black Widow movie. Now it looks like because of the shift, we're actually going to get Loki, the Loki TV series before Black Widow because Loki is coming out in June. So I don't know what's that gonna what that entails as far as the phase four storyline, because getting WandaVision as early as we did really put our mindset in the whole mysticism, magic, multiverse mindset, right? Like we know that WandaVision is gonna tie into Doctor Strange 2. Wanda will appear with Doctor Strange and all that. So we got a lot of dimensional stuff, the multi-dimension, the time rifts and everything like that. We were all expo exposed to that. And I think a lot of us are really, really bought in to see like how this is going to all play out. Now we're watching Falcon in the Winter Soldier, which is very grounded. You know, if you're a fan of the Captain America movies, this is very much in line with that type of storytelling. And this, I guess, version of the universe, you know, where, you know, a lot of it has, is dealing more with reality or what is possible, you know. And a lot of things in this series, and I'll go more into it when I talk about the latest episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. It, it's very close to home in a lot of the, the subject matter there. So, however this series is going to end up... We're going to go into Loki. That's going to, again, bring back us, you know, bring us back to time travel, the multiverse, mysticism, all that stuff like that. And then from there, we're going to jump back again into a more grounded form of the universe in the Black Widow movie. So I'm very, very curious how these series of events are going to really gel and tie together. Especially with the with the audience, you know, like 
the majority of the audience that are watching these are not huge comic book fans like I am or like a lot of you guys are. And they haven't really been following a lot of these characters before the MCU was formed, right? So WandaVision, I thought it was appealing to a lot of people because of the sitcom eras. People were really you know, drawn to that. And the, the subject matter of dealing with grief and depression and, and how that could affect your well-being and how you affect others and all that stuff like that, you know, those people who are not tied or not really invested in the MCU, who watched WandaVision for the first time, they found themselves getting interested in these characters, doing their research and all that stuff like that. Now with Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, like I said, a lot of the subject matter is very close to home. So it's very easy for those who are not so tied in the MCU to like fall into this series and enjoy watching it. And of course, I'm sure they're going to do their own research and what have you and everything like that. Loki is going to be a different story. Loki is going to is, is going to test people, the audience's uh, fortitude in how much they can take in going back to mysticism, going back to like magic and time travel, multidimensional, all that stuff like that. Just like how I, I truly believe that Doctor Strange 2 is going to be testing the audience's uh, and how much they can understand and, and take a lot of this stuff. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay the audience and all that. It's just, you know, a lot of us, it's so easy for us to think about what we think about things or what our group of people will think about. And it, a lot of times we tend to forget the general population and general audience that watches these movies are not like us. They don't think like us. They're not so invested in the things that we are invested in. You know, they're not well uh, versed and exposed to a lot of these storylines, these characters, and these type of you know universes and fantasies and all that stuff like that. So it's very easy to turn the general audience off and to lose their attention if it's something so far fetched. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't like the original Doctor Strange movie. You know, I loved it. I ate that stuff up left and right because I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I was waiting for a movie like that, <coughs> you know, so it's just very interesting to, you know, just to see how the audience is going to take to all of this jumping from here to here to here to here. and if there's going to be that steady flow of connect you know connecting tissue between these series right it's very easy to say that you know falcon and a winter soldier could easily tie into the black widow vice versa right um wandavision there might be some potential ties in with loki you know depending on what he finds himself doing um but you know will the audience be able to be patient enough or not you know um so it is very interesting to see it's very interesting to see how the black widow movie is going to end you know what are the final consequences after the black widow movie um concludes there because you know we're hearing reports that scarlet scar joe scarlet johansson is not going to be returning to the marvel universe anymore we may not see her portray black widow any further Florence Pugh, who's who's in this Black Widow movie, it's been long rumored that she's going to take on the mantle of the Black Widow. 
Are they teasing us for something else? Are they tricking us in believing one thing more than the other? I don't know. It's hard to say. So, you know, or I think a lot of people are even asking after watching WandaVision, now watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is the Black Widow movie even necessary? You know, the Black Widow movie could have been just like an easy gateway into phase four. You know, especially after seeing what happened in Avengers Endgame with the character and kind of like a nice little um, farewell to the Black Widow character and possibly the handing the torch over to a new version of the Black Widow. Who knows, right? Um, but since we there's been a lot of restructuring and changing and all that stuff like that, are people going to even care anymore for the Black Widow movie? I've been hearing a lot of people say they don't. They could, you know... With all the, the delays and the pushbacks and all that, I've been hearing a lot of people say that they could care less to, to watch this Black Widow movie. Give me more like, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Give me more of things like the like WandaVision um, and all that. So it'll be really interesting to see how it's all going to play out. But yeah, some but at least now more of us are going to be able to finally watch this movie when it finally comes out on July 9th. You know, because now we don't have to be so concerned that it's tied to movie theater releases only. We could, you know, watch it, you know, in the comfort of our own homes, albeit we got to shell out a huge amount of money for it. 30 bucks is no nothing to, you know, sneeze at. Um, but if you're a big family and you, you're looking for watching these these type of movies together, then you could do that. If you got a roommate or two and you, you, you're big fans of the MCU, you could easily like watch these things together. Um, what I'm thinking of doing, you know, it is summer, drive-ins are open again, probably head out to another drive-in and watch this movie there. Um, you know, I enjoy doing stuff like that. So, um, but at least now we have options, you know, and now there's no more playing, you know, you know, tug of war there of, you know, are people going to be able to watch this in the theater or not? Give us the option to do both, watch it in the theater or watch it at home. So it's nice to see that at least we have those options there. So um, really good stuff. Uh, I'm happy about that. And then again, in the last piece of major news before I get into the review segment here, um, and it you know we're sticking to Marvel. So it looks like Marvel, you know, decided to change um, distribution houses. So a huge news that got released last week was Marvel. Um, has come to an agreement and a partnership with Penguin Random House um, for distribution of their comics and graphic novels and what have you moving forward starting on October 1st. So what this means in this in the industry, in the comic book industry. So Diamond distributors have been in the game for a very long time. Um, some would say that they've been a monopoly. They have been the exclusive distributor for DC, Marvel, and all these other um, publishers. If you own a comic book shop, if you are a Barnes & Noble or what have you, you had to deal with Diamond to get access to these releases and what have you. Last year, DC made big news by saying, nope, we're leaving Diamond and we're moving on to another, um, uh, another distributor because frankly diamond is not flexible they cost a lot of money 
uh, and we we wanna we need to do what we can to cut costs because the pandemic has really hurt us, right? So that happened. Marvel has been kind of teasing in um, dealing with another distributor uh, for the last couple of years, I believe. Um, in one in an earlier earlier episode of my podcast, I talked about. Uh, this distribution partner that they were working with in some regions um, that happened to be tied into a major comics retailer here in the New York City area, which I found very fascinating. Uh, but you could still do stuff with, um, with Diamond for them. But now they, they kind of just said, no, we are now teaming up with Penguin um, Random House. Um, and for those of you who read books and all that, you, Penguin has been around for a long time decades um, and they really have a strong foothold in uh, distribution of you know books and publications and what have you so they they're making this switch now to partner up with them however they are saying that you as a retailer will still have the option to get their their books and everything through diamond however it sounds like it's going to benefit the retailer more because there will no longer be um, additional costs for shipping or freight charges, as they've been saying. So just to, to give more insight, basically what it says here is that, you know, the reason for the change given by Marvel sources, and I'm reading this off of bleedingcool.com. Marvel believes that this will be uh, this will allow for growth in the market, provide more efficiency and more reliable resources as Penguin Random House are one of the largest and most experienced book publisher and distributors in the world. And Marvel believes that PRH can provide Marvel and retailers far more than they get now, but providing the opportunity for comic stores to still order from Diamond. Um, will allow for that sh shift to um, smooth things out and be a gradual change and ad adaptation and all that stuff like that. Um, and the one thing of note, like I mentioned freight, Penguin Random House prides itself as a free freight distributor, unlike Diamond. So all shipping charges will be absorbed in the orderable price of the comics. No additional shipping fees will be charged by Penguin. This is where I think is going to be a game changer for a lot of these retailers. And which could be a huge blow to Diamond once again. They're, I'm, sh they're, I'm sure they're already reeling from the, the, the big cut in DC from last year. Now Marvel is striking this blow here. You know, and even though they will still have the option as a retailer to order through Diamond, Diamond is now becoming a warehouse distributor for random, which is major, major, major change. This means Diamond will not really be allowed to charge extra shipping fees and all that stuff like that to cover their costs. Penguin absorbs all of these costs themselves. So it behooves the retailer to go to Penguin directly to just order these books normally, right? But if they stick to Diamond, they too will have additional savings for shipping and all that because 
Diamond is no longer a ability. They won't have the ability to really charge extra or benefit from the charging of extra and all that. Because now, in essence, they are the warehouse distributor of Penguin for Marvel. So very, very interesting news here. I think this is going to be a huge game changer, uh, game changer in the comic book industry. Um, and we will more than likely see how this is going to play out and the benefits of, um, of all of this moving into 2022. Um, and I think for Marvel, again, it, it does allow them to grow. It does allow them to get more exposure more books in hands of readers and all that because Penguin will be able to distribute to not only the mom and pops but your Barnes and Nobles, your Books a Million, um, you know, all these other book retailers you have all around the world because they have hands in all of these things. They have access to all of these lines. Um, and I think it, you know, they will be able to do it in a speedier fashion. I remember, you know, I used to always buy graphic novels from like Barnes and Noble, but I had to wait. Um, I, there was always some sort of a delay um, for those type of retailers to get these graphic novels on their shelves. But if I went to my local comic book store, it will be there, you know, day and date, you know, just when it was supposed to release. Um, but, you know, sometimes like these book retailers, they have like rewards programs that you want to take advantage of. And you can't if you decide to go to your comic book shop, if you could find one nearby and get it from there. Um, so I think this is going to benefit Marvel for sure. And I think in the long run, this is really going to benefit a lot of the retailers because retailers have been complaining about Diamond for a very long time. You know, the the lack of flexibility when it comes to uh, working with them, the huge amount of fees that they have to pay, uh, you know, not only shipping, but additional stuff as well. Um, you know, I did some research about this last year when I heard about the news from DC. So I do think this is going to be an interesting shift in the market there. Um, some people were kind of worried that um, this might be uh, the death of the comic book shops, but I don't think so. I think if anything, it kind of gives breathing room for comic book shops because it, again, they still have the option to work with Diamond. But if they do decide to work directly with Penguin, they're going to save a lot of money when it comes to shipping costs. Um, and I think that's going to be amazing um, for them because, you know, running a comic book shop these days is not easy um, with, you know, rent. And, you know, I mean, a lot of not there are not a lot of people reading comics these days, you know, unfortunately. Um, I don't think comic book stores will disappear altogether. You know, I think every year there's a lot of comic book stores that do unfortunately close down uh, because of the shift in market and the shift in audiences and all that stuff like that. But there will always be uh, mom and pop comic book shops um, as long as they, they know how to adapt. And, you know, having discussions with my friends about comic book shops um, in recent you know months, I've always said those who could survive are those who learn how to um, offer variety. You know, who, who knows how to diversify their inventory. So it's not just comic books. You have to be able to offer gaming and, you know, action figures and, you know, paraphernalia and, um, you know, stationary goods, manga, anime stuff. You know, I know one um, shop 
um, here uh, on the East Coast, you know, they deal with like records and and you know all these other things, um, sports cards, trading cards. You have to be able to diversify your inventory so that you'll always get people coming to your shop for one thing or multiple things, right? You gotta be like the Swiss Army knife retailer. You know, be able to provide many different outlets for um, for your your customers because there are a lot of um, you know crosses. There's there are a lot of people who you'll blend into other genres of collecting or uh, hobbies. You know, uh, model kits. Um, you know, D and D. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, role playing, all that kind of stuff like that. You know, you'll always find someone who's into one thing but is also interested in the other. So if you could provide the one-stop shop for all of these things, then you're pretty solid in surviving the next couple of years until the next shift comes where you have to adapt to something else or, you know, restructure your your inventory or what have you. But knowing now that you could possibly potentially save more money when it comes to your inventory for Marvel Comics, I think this is going to be a, uh, a great deal for a lot of these retailers. So... Uh, again, let me know what you think about this news. I found this fascinating because, again, you know, I, I've been a comic book collector since I was a kid. Uh, I was always fascinated in the comic book industry, not just because of the stories and the characters, but the business side of things, too, um, especially when it comes to the, the retail shops, uh, mom and pops and, and all that, um, you know. I had dreams of opening up a comic book shop in, way back in the day. So it's it's very interesting news for me. And I would, I'm very, very interested to see how it's going to shift the market uh, and how it's going to affect retailers and, and consumers and what have you. So, so yeah, big news there. Um, so that's pretty much the majority of the news I wanted to talk about. Again, guys, um, I'm going to head into the review portion of the podcast. So... Um, for those of you who know me, I do give spoilers in a lot of my reviews. So if you haven't watched the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and you're not fully caught up in the Invincible um, cartoon um, show um, series there on Amazon, um, pause, bookmark, or save this to your watch later. Um, check out those episodes and then come back and you could watch the video from this point on. So, and again, like, subscribe, comment, all the YouTube stuff. So let's talk Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So episode two dropped on Friday. And, you know, I'm really liking this show. Um, I wasn't sure how I was going to take to it, but I think I like this show because it is so grounded and it is very very it touches on a lot of subject matter that is very close to what we're seeing in today's headlines and all that um you know the episode starts off now giving us a little bit more of an insight of john walker who is now pegged to be the new captain america um kind of gives us a little insight about his personality how he feels and all that um you know, Wyatt Russell, the son of Kurt Russell, I think is doing a really good job at portraying this guy who feels like he's done everything and deserves this chance and wants to prove to everyone that he deserves this chance. But yet he is still kind of nervous because I think a lot of expectations are that he's 
you know, he's trying to replace Steve. Um, but he wants to be his own version of Captain America and all that. And now dealing with the spotlight and dealing with all the um, the PR machines and the the politics. It's not like this is a, a, a person who is eventually not interested in the politics and the image and all that. He just wants to get down in dirty action. It sounds like he just wants to be in the thick of it, which we all know Steve was not. Steve was able to do that balance of being kind of like the Boy Scout and the, I'm going to tour the country and the world and promote Amer freedom and, you know, the goodness of everything and still get down and dirty when I have to, right? Um, so we got that interesting insight. And then uh, obviously we're seeing how all of this is affecting Sam there, you know, the Falcon himself. Um, but now he's he's off to Europe to track down the flag smashers there, and we we finally get the the buddy cop team up of Bucky and Falcon, and <laughs> their chemistry it it it's it's amazing. It's it's I love their back and forth. I love the humor that they have. Um, you know, we saw a glimpse of this in Civil War you know in, in in the movies before and it's it's definitely carrying on over into this new series and i think they're doing a really great job at working together um and then we get to see them finally fighting together and then we get to see them actually confront john walker and his partner who has probably the worst hero name ever um I, I, and it it <laughs> It kind of um, uh, loses me at the moment. Uh, let me see here, because uh, I remember when um, when it hit when he said it, I didn't want to believe it that that's what I heard. But Battlestar, what kind of freaking name is Battlestar? You know, it's it sounds like an uh, an homage to like old science it's like Battlestar Galactica yeah it's like an homage to like the science fiction serials of the past um it, it you know, Battlestar and, and I remember you know there is a scene in in the show where you know you got John Walker talking to Sam and Bucky and you know they're they're wondering you know this this Lamar guy like seriously what what's your deal what's your name and when he mentions that he's Battlestar, Bucky was like, all right, I'm done. I'm out of here. Bye. It's like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Battlestar? You know, but you see John Walker really trying to, you know, get the assistance or at least be able to work with Falcon and Bucky. But I think deep down inside, he doesn't want to. I feel like this is a mandate possibly from the government that he's being asked to, right? Because, you know, they obviously know a lot. You know, they were are with the Avengers and what have you. Um, and it wouldn't be in his best interest to kind of keep him, keep them two in his back pocket, so to speak, right? You know, so um, unfortunately, you know, Bucky and uh, Sam... They weren't able to get ahead of the Flag Smashers there, and they kind of, you know, got their butts whooped and what have you. Um, they confront John Walker there, and, 
you know, Bucky's not happy. Bucky's like, this is, you know, this is a disgrace to Steve. This is a disgrace to the shield. He now wants telling Falcon, we should go ahead and steal the shield back or what have you, which led into Bucky telling Sam something. It's like, I got to show you something, you know, because what we come to learn is that these flag smashers, these flag smashers, are all super soldiers. They, they were all injected with the same serum that, you know, Steve got injected with, that Bucky got injected with. So they're super strong. They got, you know, heightened reflexes or what have you. So you got like eight of them now. So, you know, how could this happen? How could we find out where they're getting this stuff from? So Bucky takes um, Sam to Baltimore, Maryland, where he introduces him the him to this guy that Bucky fought in the war back in the 50s and all that. And it turns out that this is a super soldier that has been in existence since back then that nobody knew about. And not only that, but it is a black super soldier. So there's so much conflict going on here. And you could see the reaction of this soldier, how there's so much this towards Bucky you know like you know he doesn't want to even want to be compared to him you know he doesn't even want to be you know you know he feels like Bucky got got away clean you know he talks about when he came back from the war after all of this stuff you know after already being experimented on after trying to take down Bucky and what have you he comes back he was put in jail he was put through tons of experiments and and they were doing a lot of all of these like you know um, blood samples and it, it, the guy went through a lot of hell you know the minute he came back and he's gotten no recognition for anything he's gotten no help or assistance from anything and he just doesn't even want to talk about it and of course, this throws Sam for a loop. He's like, how could this be a secret? How could no one know about this? How could Steve not even know about this? You know, Bucky says he didn't want to tell Steve. You know, he kept this away from Steve because he's like, you know, this dude's been through enough and I just don't want him to go through anymore. Um, and then these cops come and they think Sam is causing trouble. You know, again... It brings it back to all the current stuff that we're dealing with today when it comes to race and the treatment of our veterans. And it's something that I never thought Marvel and Disney would, you know, kind of put there. They, I wasn't expecting them to actually go there. Um, I don't know how farther they're going to go with these subject matters, but the fact that we're getting these hints of it, you know, the the reason why Sam didn't want to take on this shield because he's feeling he, it's he's doing the right thing because deep down inside I think he feels that America is not ready for a black Captain America you know or the government will allow this to happen and then look what happened they threw it on to another soldier who you know unfortunately I, I, I hate to say it is a white dude you know who looks like your everyday American chiseled chin, blonde hair, blue eye dude, you know, and then to find out they had this other um, super soldier back in the day who happens to be a black guy, you know, kind of like, 
you know, the way they treated the Tuskegee Airmen back in the day and all that with all these experimentations and what have you. And then no recognition, no assistance after the war was all done or their time and services have all been completed. You know, so it, and then now the confrontation on the street when the cops come, they think it's Sam who's causing problem. They don't even recognize him for being the Falcon. They just see black dude, white guy arguing in the street. They go to Bucky and they're like, is this guy bothering you? You know, it, it's it's crazy, crazy stuff, but it felt so real. And I love the way they portrayed it. I love the way they handled it. And it turns out that, the, you know, at the end of the day, they were there to arrest Bucky because he missed his mandated uh, psychiatrist uh, meeting and they had to bring him in. You know, so really, really interesting stuff there. Fast forward, you know, they're spending time with the psychiatrist. You know, she's trying to make sure that they're fit to move on. Bucky, before that, gets, you know, b- bailed out of jail. And who happened to do it? It was John Walker. He decided to use his clout to not only get Bucky out, to, but to get Bucky released from this psychiatric hold he has on him because he's an asset that's very valuable to us. Um, so you have this really interesting confrontation with the psychiatrist. You know, these guys just don't like each other. Sam and Bucky, they have something against each other. And they a lot of squabbling back and forth. And at the end of the day, you know, you see that Bucky is really disappointed in Sam because Steve relied a lot on Sam, had a lot of faith in Sam to take over the mantle, and Sam didn't do it. And Bucky feels that this is a strike on him because if you know, if Steve believes so much in Sam, but it's not true or you know, Sam is not to be relied on, that means Steve's faith in Bucky is false as well. And Bucky has his huge chip on his shoulder on his shoulders already because of everything that he's gone through. And then now this, because he, he you know, Steve means so much to him. Um, and then Sam, you know, like I said, Sam is doing things because he feels he's doing the right thing that neither Bucky or Steve will ever understand. And I, I do feel that plays a lot into the whole race thing, you know. And how ready is the world to accept something like that? But at the end of the session there, they agreed, look, we got bigger things to take care of. Squash all this stuff now. We'll handle business. And once this business is handled, we'll go our separate ways and never talk to each other again. Fine. They agreed. They they get out there. And then now they have one last confrontation with John Walker and Battlestar. Mr. Galactica. And, you know, again, they're just saying, look, you guys know stuff. You know, I'm working with the government, what have you. It, it'll be better for us to all team up and work together, you know. So they're trying to exchange some information back and forth and what have you. You know, but then Sam and Bucky, they're just like, look, you you are the government. So you have a lot of like procedures and all this you know kind of things that you have to go through we don't we're free agents we could do whatever we want without being tied down so it doesn't make sense for us to work together we're we'll do what we got to do you guys do what you got to do and then this is where we get some like some sort of machismo moment from john where it's like all right 
have it your way, but, you know, just don't cross my path. Don't get in my way. And he puffs his chin up and, you know, kind of does like, like one of those, like, back off, you know, stay off my turf. And I was just like, yo, the balls on this dude. That's where I get the sense, like, you know, this guy doesn't really give two shits about all of these guys. It's his time. This is my turn. This is my game. You know, give me the ball. I'm the quarterback. I'm Brady. I'm running this shit. You know, because he's got he's got a lot to prove and he's the man now. Right. So this is the start of all that. And we got a good glimpse of on both sides. Right. So there's going to be a lot of conflict with this stuff. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, John Walker may not have the best interest of America as a whole or the world as a whole. His interest is in himself and how he handles things and how people are going to look at him and all that. So that's going to be really interesting. So, you know, end of the episode there, uh, Falcon and Bucky, you know, they decide, look, we got to go find out the sources of all this stuff, where their serum is getting distributed from. And the only chance we're going to be able to do this is that we got to talk to the dude that's, you know, mostly connected to all of this. And that's Simo. And episode ends with we get a glimpse of Zemo himself, Daniel Brule, in jail. And episode ends. So, you know, we're left with that little bit of cliffhanger there. And I, again, this episode is brilliantly put together. We're two episodes in, and it's painting this picture of a lot of different grounded conflict. Um, again, the subject matters that they're touching, the way veterans are being handled, the way people perceive other types of people, um, race, all that kind of stuff. There, it's it's such an amazing series so far, and how they're able to portray this storyline. Um, I'm very curious as to how this is going to be moving forward, and what else is going to get revealed moving forward in the next four episodes, I believe, because it's only six. Um, but I'm digging it. I'm digging it big time. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel. Again, leave your comments and thoughts in the comments section. I want to see what you guys, how you, what you guys feel and, and think about the episode and the series so far. But it's a great series. Um, I like what they're doing here, um, and of course, it's a good mix of seriousness, action, um, and the comedy because of the the chemistry between. Bucky and and uh, Falcon there, you know, it's 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 your 48 hours of the Marvel Universe. It's your Beverly Hills cop. You know, it's your lethal weapon. Uh, it's all of these buddy cop things that you're getting here um, that makes it so intriguing, you know, and this is also why I feel like this series is going to be able to grab the attention of the general audience, you know, this is something that they're going to be able to really un- enjoy. Yeah, they may not really understand who Zemo is. I feel like that's going to be like a big question mark, right? So hopefully in the next episode, they will do a way to kind of recap things and not have the audience rely on doing their back research or going back and watching the past movies like, you know, Civil War and what have you um, or Winter Soldier. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they carry things forward and what, 
what they're going to be able to give the audience so that they can fully understand who Zemo is and what he's capable of and how things are going to be moving forward. I'm very, very curious to see how John Walker is going to play into all of this moving forward and what other conflicts him and Battlestar, Mr. Galactica, is going to be able to uh, get themselves into and how it's going to affect Falcon and Bucky with what they got to do. Because remember, Bucky's still trying to make amends here. He's still trying to get over his PTSD of everything that he's done. You know, and Sam, in a way, is doing that too. But he's dealing more with the, you know, the embarrassment and the the guilt of not taking on the mantle of Captain America. You know, will we see, you know, War Machine, Don Cheadle, you know, come back, you know, because they had that interesting conversation in episode one about not taking on the mantle of, of Captain America and what have you. So really really good stuff there i'm enjoying it so far curious to hear what you guys are thinking about it but really amazing stuff there so all right lastly in our review segment let's talk invincible guys so invincible not a lot of people know what invincible is but again you comic book guys and gals will know this is uh, Robert Kirkman, you know, the guy who did Walking Dead. This was his superhero story that he did for Image Comics. Um, huge praises in the comic book world. Everyone loved the series, you know, thought it was a great storyline and what have you. I, full disclosure, I never got a chance to read it myself. I do have like a volume one omnibus that I've been dying to read. It's just, you know, life always gets in the way. Um, so when I saw the previews of this animated series that they're coming out with, and knowing some, you know, bits and pieces of the lore and the storyline from Friends, I'm very curious about it. it. I was very intrigued. And they got an all-star cast when it comes to the voices as well. I mean, you got Steven Yuen, who is the main character of Invincible there. You got, um, you know, Sandra Oh playing his mom. Uh, and then you got uh, J. Jonah himself. Um, uh, what's his face? Um, the State Farm guy. Uh, uh, why? You know, I don't understand. I think, you know, it sucks to get old, guys. Um, because your brain acts so differently well there are some days you can recall things and then there are some days you can't um but yes jk simmons is the voice of omni man who is the father of invincible you know but throughout the series you have a lot of these other voices you know you have zazzy beats in there you have seth rogan you have mark hamill does voices in this series um and all that um, so, you know, you have Walton Goggins, Jason Manzukas. you know, you have so you have such a huge breadth of um, celebrity um, voices lending their voices to the, the cast of this series. So it's gearing it, you know, leading up into to this, it was gearing up to be a very interesting series that obviously I was extremely interested in. So the first three episodes released on Amazon Prime on Friday. And I watched 
two of them on Friday and the last one I finally um, finished and watched yesterday. So initial reaction. Each episode is like roughly an hour long, 46 minutes, what have you. So hour in TV time, you know, because you usually have to count commercial breaks and what have you. So I like that. I like that we're getting a lot of content here. Um, starts off really slow. Um, to be completely honest with you, I was bored halfway through episode one. The animation itself is decent. You know, I, I do feel it's just under the, the the quality of animation that we've gotten through the DC animated movies. It's just under that. Um, the voice acting is very stiff. And what I mean by that is that it, it unfortunately, it puts me in the studio and I feel like they're reading off a script and there's not a lot of emotion or emoting. So I was very disappointed in that because like I said, you have some great voice actors here. You know, one great example is J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is at his best when he's being a little bit over the top. We all loved him as J. Jonah, right? Um, we all you know, love his work when he pops up in these random movies being the silly dude, right? Even in the, the State Farm ads or what have you, he's a very unique type of character and it, it, it comes out in his voice. Here in this series, he's very one level, you know? And I feel like that's kind of a shame. That's kind of like a waste of a, a, a talent like that. But I feel like they're reading their lines and then they stop at the period. And then move on to the next thing, you know. So I was a little bit disappointed by that. And it drags. It it's it's I feel like the overall series is gonna be um a long game. It's 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 a it's a long burn, you know, to get to the meat and potatoes here. And so far, every episode has been like that, and I'll tell you why. Basically, the last 15 minutes of every episode, that's when something major happens. Smacks you right in the face and throws you for a loop and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? It happened in episode one where all throughout the episode, you're getting used to this Justice League type of team that they have in their universe. You know, every hero, you, you're starting to, towards the end of the episode, get a little bit of their bio, so to speak. They do their own little roll call thing where they're being summoned to something. And then you get to see a day in the life of each of these individual heroes, right? So now you're starting to get a little bit character building. And what happens? One by one, they're getting picked off and demolished in the most violent way possible. You know, all throughout the episode, the action was be has been very minimal and very PG to a certain extent. Then hard R out of nowhere. I was smacked in the face and I like, woke and I woke up. Because like I said, I was like so bored, I was almost passing out. Then I woke the fuck up because I was like, holy shit, this dude's head just blew off. And who's doing it? Omni Man. 
the one guy who was supposed to be like the Superman-like character of the show, you know, who was, you know, portrayed as a good guy. Later on, we found that he wasn't even an official member of this team, but they worked alongside each other. He's picking them off one by one. And I was just, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know it was going to go there. Again, I never read the comics, right? So I was, first time for me, I was like, whoa. Then we go into episode two. And again, huge drag. Oh, what's happening? You know, he, you know, Omni-Man was passed out after all that's happened because he got his ass kicked too during that whole battle. So he has to go to the hospital. You know, Invincible's learning how to use his powers or what have you. Um, you know, he finds another team, a team of teens, younger heroes. You know, and he starts, you know, somewhat working alongside with them. You know, you're starting to see like his little teen troubles where he's still trying to learn how to fit in and then he's starting to get crushes on this one person and then he has a crush on this other person that as part of the the teen superhero group here it goes by the name of adam eve you know invincible is now they're facing this alien invasion you know that you know they come in you know they're trying to wreak havoc and something happens you know where they have to retreat we find out that these aliens have a faster or slower timeline in their dimension so when they come here their life you know expenses expectancy changes and they get old really quick so all of a sudden these aliens are dying really fast the one leader or major alien realizes this goes back to his world they develop a technology that now prevents them from doing that. Um, but then something happens again where they have to retreat. You know, so Invincible is now learning to work with other people, this new teen group, you know, and fight alongside them. Omni Man is still in a coma, you know, but then during one of these fights, uh, he comes across, you know, this old lady who gets really badly mangled and he feels all guilty. He takes her to the hospital and what have you. You know, Omni-Man is now awake, you know, and all that. Um, and during this whole time, they're still trying to investigate what happened in that fight. Um, I think one of the most unique things is that they have um, this Hellboy-like character um, who is like an investigator uh, who is trying to investigate things um, to find out the truth because I believe... Every time he solves something good, it gives him more of a chance to go back to hell or, or something along those lines. Um, but I like the little references and to other comic properties there. And then it, and then again, like I said, the episodes drag and then wham! Omni-Man gets out of a coma. He's feeling better. He knows that there's this alien invasion happening. He finds his way through the portal to the alien world. And what does he do? He freaking demolishes the entire race of aliens and, and planet. You know, he 
kills everyone and, and you know destroys everything all their technology and everything like that threatens them to open up the portal so that he could return and right before he returns he smashes the last remaining people there he comes back all you know aged because like I, like i said they're in their planet on their universe you age fat you age slower so he's been there for god knows how long in that time but in the the main reality it's only been what maybe a day or two so he has like a full-on beard and, and everything like that and you know he just pretty much came back you know after wiping out an entire race all by himself and all this so we're getting a sense that Ani Man has this weird bloodlust, this this weird, you know. Again, I don't know if him destroying the the team that he worked with or worked alongside with, if that was all his doing, or someone convinced him to do that, or he was being programmed, or what have you. Um, but it was it was very brutal, right? So again, episode two, we get hit with this major thing that happens at the end that becomes ultra violent and everything. Um, now moving into episode three. And the, uh, another thing that I do also find a little annoying about this is that they try to work in the title Invincible in very interesting ways. So what they do is that the moment that they mention Invincible in the first five minutes, that's when they cut to the title card. It's very an abrupt cut. I think it doesn't fit. I see what they're trying to do. It's unique, but it just doesn't really fit, right? So we get into episode three, and you know, there's you know, we start off with the morning of the death of this supergroup. Omni Man gives his big speech, and then you know, we get into the real funeral because you know they said that they don't they don't want to have the real funeral to the public because they don't want they want to keep their burials secret to prevent people from looting the bodies or what have you and everything, you know? So you have Invincible trying to deal with this. Um, you know, his dad is still trying to be the one to kind of teach Invincible the ways of being a superhero. That's what stuff that they did in episode two when he, we, when he got out of his coma or what have you. Um, but you have Invincible who's really trying to understand where he belongs, but he's really digging this new teen group that he's with. However, the robot of the teen group is now being asked to put together a new super team. So he's holding trials and all that. And I and I found this 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 particular segment to be very interesting where it's like um, you have kind of like a, the X-Men danger room scenario. I mean not so much where you're having like holograms of like landscapes or what have you pulled up, but it's just like a fighting arena where they could test your strength. And you're seeing all these different types of heroes that live in this universe, you know, audition, sort of speak. And, you know, during this time, you know, also you have Invincible still trying, trying to deal with his teen angst and his teen stuff. You know, he's talking to Zazzy Beats and like I'd love for you to come over and you know we could do a study date and what have you um then Adam Eve is you know catches her boyfriend uh that's part of the teen group cheating on her with another member of the teen group who has the ability to multiply herself into multiple clones and all that um 
while they're still trying to form this new supergroup and everything. So you have a lot of these like, like teen drama uh, moments happening throughout the episode. Um, you know, Omni Man catches him once, you know, saying, "Oh, you're just coming from this major thing, huh?" And now you're trying to catch up with a girl that you're supposed to be on a date with. Well, good. You know, you have to learn how to balance those two things. Uh, but always the number one thing is saving the world, doing your duty. And it sounds like life comes second or what have you. Um, and again, there's something off about Omni-Man here. You know, there's something weird that... Where does his real priorities lie, you know, like, and how far is he willing to go to do what he feels is the greater good, right? So they finally come to con the conclusion of this trial that this is going to be the new supergroup, you know, and the robot there, the leader, he's trying to lead everybody here. Um, and... You know, you have the members of the group that don't necessarily get along or agree. And one of the, the members used to be a member of the, the first major group, but apparently he lost all his powers. He doesn't believe that a robot should be the leader and feels like, you know, we should trust a real person and not someone who are, is a bunch of code and what have you. So we're off to a really bad start with this new group. Invincible decided that he's not going to join the team, even though he was asked. Because his dad, Omni-Man, said, you need to train with me. You know, it's best that you do that. And his mom is like, and plus, I don't want you missing any more school. All right. So I think this is Omni-Man's way of keeping Invincible away from those people. Because I think in at the end, he wants to team up with Invincible to take over sole ownership of the superhero um, moniker. I wouldn't be surprised if Omni-Man's major, major goal is to get rid of all the superheroes in the world so that it's only him and Invincible left. I'm just speculating, but I'm, you know, just the way I look at him, I feel like that's something that could be a potential. Um, so, I mean, other things happen in this episode. It's really more about Adam Eve dealing with her, you know, break up and all that and invincible dealing with now he's finally hooking up with zazzy beats there you know the girl from school um and then the superhero group right and again it's one of those episodes that kind of drag and then again last 10 minutes boom we get something interesting like a weird twist so we see this jail cell of like all of these baddies right and the two baddies that we saw in the first episode somehow one of them gets loose. You know, we see someone behind the curtain, you know, punching the code to allow the jail cell to be a little bit more easily accessible to the bad guy. He beats the crap out of the guard, uses his hand to open up the door. He frees his clone brother out and they make a run for it. And every little bit of moments when they're trying to escape, whoever's behind the curtain is allowing for things to happen to make it easier for themselves. They finally make it out into the real world and then they get forced uh, to face this weird gun. And the one brother is like, <clears throat> you saw this coming. 
takes his brother, uses his, him as a shield against his gun, destroys the gun, and his brother has been like cut to pieces and all that. And basically, homeboy is like, you know, I should be sad, but I could always make another one. See ya. And he goes off into the city or what have you. Cut back to the band behind the curtain. It turns out it's the robot. It is the robot that's been charged with forming the new supergroup. And then cuts right there. So huge twist. Oh, what a twist. So what's going on here? What's really happening? Right? You got Omni-Man who is a bloodthirsty madman, possibly. You know? Doesn't really care about other people or what have you. Sounds like he's going to do whatever it takes to be for the better good for himself and his family. You have Invincible, who's still learning the ropes of being a superhero or, or an upcoming superhero while still dealing with all his teen angst and teen dramas and being a teen, love triangles and all that. You have the new supergroup who don't get along and already have conflict within the group because this guy cheated on her with this other girl and yada, yada, yada. One guy doesn't believe this robot should be the leader and what have you. Um, the robot doing something bad behind the scenes for some reason. We don't know why yet. Letting people go. People meaning bad guys go for some reason. All really interesting stuff. What's going to happen next? I couldn't even tell you. I don't know it, but I will say, despite my feelings, my own personal feelings of how every episode tends to drag, there is always that payoff at the end. I feel like that's a ploy to get you to keep watching. But I am intrigued. I am intrigued to continue. It's not one of my most recent favorite things. It's not what I expected it to be when I first heard about it and when I first saw the trailers of it. So I can't honestly say that I am super excited to keep watching. However, I am excited to keep watching just because I am intrigued and because I'm interested to see where this is going to go. It's funny that it is from Kirkland. Kirkman. Is it Kirkland or Kirkman? Kirkland is that um, brand that you get from uh, Costco, right? Or Walmart. It's Kirkman. Kirkman. So what I was going to say is that it's funny that it's Kirkman. Because the same feeling I have for this is the same feeling I had for seasons of Walking Dead. I was disappointed with The Walking Dead for, for many seasons, but I kept watching because I was so invested in it. And I wanted to see where it was going to go. Now, I'm not saying I'm fully invested in this series yet, but I am interested to see where it's going to go. So let's see where it's going to go, right? Again, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the series so far. If you've watched, if you've read the comics and now you've seen the first three episodes, what are your thoughts of how they're going with this series? Is it exactly how it was in the comic books? Is it, you know, um, has it detracted already from the storyline? Are they doing things a lot differently? Love to hear your thoughts and comments on this series so far, especially if you're a fan of the comic books. And if you're not... Are you feeling the same way I'm feeling or is it just me? You know, am I like really off here? 
Or maybe it's just not gelling with me for some bizarre reason. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But like I said, it's intriguing enough that I will continue watching it. And I'll see where this goes. And who knows? Maybe two more episodes in, I might give up. You know, maybe the next podcast in a week or two, you'll hear me saying, I had enough. Invincible can go suck a dag. When I say dag, I mean bag of dicks, of course. Uh, which John Cena will be happy enough to do so if it was for liberty and justice. So, guys, that's about it for the episode of the podcast today. Uh, Thank you again for listening and watching. Um, As always, hit that like, subscribe, comment. Ask any questions you may have from anything that I've covered in this episode today. Um, was there something that you wanted to add on to anything that I mentioned? Um, you know, again, love to hear your thoughts, love to interact with the community there. Um, and let's do what we can to get this channel rolling and get up to 500 subscribers there. And I am looking forward to enjoying the ride with all of you. And hopefully you are looking forward to enjoying the ride with me. So hit the theme. Guys, again, can't thank you enough for listening and for joining. And I'm looking forward to the next episode there. So until next time, stay cool, stay classy, stay safe, be kind to one another. And I will catch all of you guys in the next one. All right, y'all. Peace.